Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, rounding up the best of island sport every Thursday. Uh, coming up on this week's show, having been on, off, and now on again, we'll preview this weekend's men's golf in Terinsula and hear from non-playing captain Dave Jeffrey. We need this. It's the biggest fixture of the golfing calendar every year. Uh, and we're, we're now looking forward to going over, meeting our old friends from Jersey uh, and hopefully coming back with a trophy. We'll also speak to Guernsey FC chairman Mark Letissier about his fears, not just for football, but island sport in general, coming out of COVID. If they, if they are going to be really serious about going forward and uh, and doing the best that they possibly can, they can't stay here because they can't access the uh, the level of competition that they need by living here. Plus, we'll round up some of the highlights of the week and look ahead to what else is coming up. I'm Tony Kerr, alongside me, Rob Batiste. How do? Jamie Ingle. Hello. And Gareth the Prevet. Hiya, Tony. Great to see you guys. Lots to talk about this week. Lots going on. Let's start with some picks of the week, things that have caught our eye, uh, highlights, lowlights, whatever in between. Um, Rob, let me come to you first, because, uh, yeah, big story in football today and an exciting one. Yeah, the appointment of Colin Big Fowles as head coach at Rangers the head honcho, and it's a role which just suits him perfectly, and I couldn't think of a better man to go in there to give them a good dollop of inspiration on the all round, all on the football side of things. Huge enthusiasm. He's got a, got a good backer in Ravenscroft who, are, who have approached him to you know, take on this community, um, this job, and um, I'm pretty sure Colin will give it absolutely everything. And um, I know from already speaking to him today, he's got a whole raft of ideas and um, onwards and upwards for the little St Andrews Club. Yeah, really exciting. And uh, it was on the back page of the paper today, of course. Lots of reaction online already. I mean, clearly, the big foul is someone who's held in such high esteem, um, not just in football, but across island sport, isn't he? And I think just so many people pleased to see him kind of back in a, in a sort of foremost club role. Yeah, he didn't get an MBE for nothing, you know, Tony. <laughs> you know, he set Colin a challenge and he's always been up for it. Um, brilliant man, um, hugely revered across um, the whole of Guernsey and Guernsey sport. Um, he, um, I'm speaking to him today, sees the faults in Rangers and what the faults have been for a long, long time. Um, but he is not scared of going in there and expressing his viewpoint. Um, and I think that he will take them, his enthusiasm will take them forward. Well, as you say, you've been speaking today. Um, you can hear a full interview uh, with Big Foul on Monday's football show, more as well in Friday's paper. Uh, so do keep an eye out for that. Uh, Jamie, what's caught your eye this week? Um, yeah, my pick of a week, it's definitely a low light more so than a highlight, was for Granite Man Triathlon on Sunday, or the lack thereof. I mean, it's possibly no big surprise to anyone who looked out a window and went outside that <laughs> Sunday morning. Um, it, it's just really thick fog, absolutely everywhere. Um, com- competitors turned up, organisers were considering putting it on as a duathlon, considering the fog, but ultimately safety took over, really. Uh, they made the very respectable decision to postpone the event. Thankfully, they have announced a new date of the 19th of September. But yeah, quite a few competitors were left disappointed at that start line, unfortunately. Yeah, well, at least it is going to go ahead because, uh, as we uh, we talked about in last week's show, it is the, the main event of the summer as far as triathlons concerned, isn't it? Um, have you been speaking to any athletes? I mean, uh, yeah, what will that sort of two or three week delay or whatever it is um, kind of do to, to people's preparations? So, yeah, it's a two week delay. Um, 
I know at their time, a lot of them were just going out, going for their long bike rides, using their fresh legs and just going for, just having a bit of fun, really. Um, in two weeks' time, I'm hoping they can sort of carry over preparations. It's a bit gutting for some people who may have travelled over specifically for the event, including woman's favourite Megan Chapel. But yeah, hopefully the new event like Rearrange does come together and it will be a great highlight of the local triathlon season. Gareth, your moment of the week? Uh, the fact that we will be having a Siam this year. Um, it, was, it was great to hear that um, the, both clubs, Guernsey Raiders and Jersey Reds, have, um, have been able to agree on November the 6th as being um, the new date for the Siam uh, and three games will be played, the veterans, ladies and the, and the men's sort of... Um, the big one, which is the, still the centenary event, even though that should have been last year. Um, it's amazing to think, really, that Footslane has not, will not have held a sign for three and a half years until the, that game is actually played. It's, uh, it does feel like an awful long time since uh, Lewis Hillier lifted that trophy on, in 2018. Um, but no, it's great that all of a sudden, sort of rugby, which has been on the back burner for 18 months, is suddenly coming thick and fast, really. I mean, Guernsey... Played their last game, uh, first game of the National 2 season last weekend. It didn't go quite as planned, certainly in the first half, but I think um, they'll take a lot of positives from their comeback in the second half um, at Worthing. Um, they've got a big game at Rochford this weekend, but um, also having a Siam to look forward to is obviously a big boon for the club. Yeah, it's quite something, isn't it, to parachute Siam uh, into the middle of November in what, into what is always, um, you know, it's going to be a tough start to the season for them going up a, up a division. Well, yeah, I mean, the National 2 has, it's a th- sort of a 30-game season anyway. So um, I, know, I think Jordan would have been, uh, Jordan Reynolds, the director of rugby, was quite looking forward to having one bye week before Christmas. That's now gone because the sign will fill it. But um, I think in, in these exceptional circumstances, I'd much rather play a sign on a bye weekend um, than not at all this, this year. So uh, I think all the players will be looking forward to that for sure. Logistically, it's going to be a huge challenge as well, um, especially if Guernsey FC do get there to play their home game, proposed home game that day against Thatcham United. Uh, from what we understand, um, Thatcham were approached about possibly moving the game to the Friday evening or even on the Sunday, but they were not keen on that. So if that match does go ahead, which is very doubtful, let's face it, with the current situation, um, as far as we understand on on, on the green lines, um, the game will go ahead with a... Um, that game will go ahead at 12 o'clock and then the rugby guys will have to follow on at 5 but um, it's every likelihood, I think, they'll probably have um, the game kicking off mid-afternoon and then you can really cash in on the corporate side of things because um, I'm sure that's what Raiders will be keen to do. Um, as we know, it's it's a huge money spinner, the Siam Cup in both islands. And the original August um, Siam date, they, they had sold huge number of tables for that event. So it was a big blow to them when that got postponed. So let's hope there's some clarity on the GFC thing soon. Um, and then they can formulate their final arrangements on the rugby and, and make the most of it. Yeah, logistically challenging. At least I'm not going to get sunburnt on the November the 6th. Uh, you never know, Tony, yeah. you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Usually time days, yeah, the top of my head takes an absolute battering. <laughs> no, you should be safe this time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned um, Raiders' first game in the league. Uh, yeah, decent effort on the pitch. Less so for me off it. Um, I think my low light of the week would be the technical difficulties that I suffered 
on the uh, balcony. Were you not expecting Worthing, such a big crowd to turn up at Worthing or what? <laughs> so, well, firstly, apologies to, to those who gathered in the clubhouse to watch it. I mean, we did manage to get a few, well, some of it up. Um, but yeah, the, the signal was uh, very much interrupted by the massive bodies that emerged out after their lunch onto the, uh, the, the balcony there. So um, lessons learned. Lessons learned, I'm sure, on the pitch as well. They, you know, it was, it was a very spirited fight back in the end. And, and you know, there were, there were moments where you thought, well, Guernsey are going to go on and win this because... Um, they had certainly had opportunities to, um, but yeah, I think as uh, Doug Horrocks said, you know, there are some, you can get stung in that league by some pacey players and certainly a couple of the tries were, um, yeah, that they were on the receiving end of, um, yeah, were, were pretty incisive uh, breaks by uh, the Worthing players. Yeah, I, I know Jordan didn't like me saying it to him, but I, I still believe that they have to excuse themselves a bit of rustiness and they got a lot of new players in as usual Guernsey. And they just haven't been able to have the fixtures pre-season for obvious reasons. You have to give them a bit of leeway. Uh, I know he didn't. He, he started he start saying to me, well, the other clubs haven't had many games either. But we literally have had sort of one away trip to Westcombe Park. That is not a lot of preparation when you're trying to bed in new combinations, new players. Um, it is learning on the go, as he said. They do have to do it pretty quick, but... Um, I, th- I think that second half showing shows that they've got a lot of potential there. So I, I didn't want to get too down on them <laughs> very, uh, <laughs> this early in the season. No, I think it's, uh, you know, it could, well, certainly for the home crowd, it could be um, a bit of a blessing and they, they sort of work those areas out the system in those four away games on the road so that when they do come back at the start of October, um, you know, hopefully they'll have a good chance of winning um, that game and, and then, you know, carrying some form into the Siam Cup. Because I guess equally that would have been an issue for them had they had to play a Siam on August the 28th, you know, with. The, exactly yeah they, yeah they, they would have been pretty rusty for that one as well yeah so yeah hopefully november the 6th we we could be really hitting our straps at that point mm. and we'll be big favorites surely i mean I, from what so. i understand um harvey bilger will not be um keen to any of his current first team players to be involved those who were uh, very few who were eligible to play that is so i look forward to green and white win <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it here first. Uh, right, well, that's a, a positive uh, and something to look forward to for sure. Next up, we're going to hear from Mark Letissier uh, on a, a less positive angle and his fears uh, about island sport as it heads out of the pandemic. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Do hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts uh, to get every episode delivered to you every Thursday. Now, while we've heard about some positive news on the sporting front, uh, big events coming back online, the Siam Cup to look forward to in a few weeks' time, the Men's Golf Interinsula uh, this weekend, and we'll be speaking more about that in a moment. Um, for some of our sports people, uh, COVID certainly isn't making life easy in terms of getting to the, the level of competition they need to, to progress their careers and one man who's particularly fearful about the impact COVID might have on our top sports people is Guernsey FC chairman Mark Letizia. Not just on the football front, but as a, an island sports fan, he says uh, he's got some serious concerns about how Guernsey's sports people will be affected uh, as we exit the pandemic. He came in to talk to us about that. Uh, me and Rob spoke to him earlier this week. Mark, um, thanks for coming in. Um, I know you've got some great fears about... Guernsey Sport going forward. I know you've got plenty on your plate with relating to GFC and the future there, but um, in a wider um, aspect, of you've got concerns about how the next years may well pan out and how, how hurt we might be by our current restrictions. Yeah, I have. I mean, I've given it quite a lot of thought. I've had a little bit more time than I would normally have at the moment, and um, I have given it 
quite a little bit of thought because you know I care about all sport in Guernsey, not just uh, not just football. And um, you know I, I think of how uh, our players uh, are developed from a young age uh, and how long it takes uh, for them to uh, to come through. And I've seen players where they've had a serious injury and it's been a, a massive setback to them, and they probably have never gone on and reached the heights that they may well have had from a serious injury. So if we if we say that COVID is a serious injury um, and elite athletes and you know our top sports people have been out of proper, regular, meaningful competition for, well, it's 18 months now and it may well be two and a half years before they're able to do it properly... Um, how, what effect is that going to have in the long term to uh, to our sport at the top level? How do you think um, it would be impact, particularly for, on football? Uh, well, on football, certainly uh, at our um, as GFC, if you if you you're considering that to be the the, the top level, uh, the highest level that we play, you know, uh, there's going to be players that um, are going to take longer to come through, um, and, and they'll be uh, 18 months behind where they might well have been. Now, that has an impact on, on, on our football club and on, on, our, on our team uh, because of the way in which we develop players and bring them through because we have to bring them through um, because we don't bring people in from the UK or from the Southern Hemisphere to play. You know, we, we bring them through um, from what we've got here in Guernsey. So, you know, that is going to, uh, to make a difference and it may well be that we, we wouldn't be, we're not going to be as competitive as we might have been had this not happened, so you know where the step that we're playing at the moment, it may well have an impact on um, on how competitive we are, either pushing on or actually staying at that level. So um, obviously, this is having an effect whether it be an athlete or sw- swimmer or shooter, golfer, whatever. Yeah. In, a, in the short term, for, for those sort of sports, if you've got uh, athletes that are aspiring to um, go to the Commonwealth Games, for example, you know what, uh, how difficult it is to qualify for that. Um, and if you, you've got the Ireland Games in two years' time, and if, if our youngsters have missed two, two and a half years of uh, competing at the level that they need to compete at, to do the best um, that they can do in the Ireland Games and be successful, you know, I, I think the, the longer this goes on, the more effect that is going to have longer down the uh, line. Do you think it might lead to a situation where it forces promising sports people over here to actually leave the island? Uh, yes, for sure. Uh, they get, if, they, if they are going to be um, really serious about... Um, going forward and uh, and doing the best that they possibly can they can't stay here because they can't access the uh, the level of competition that they need by living here and how much will the island miss out then if if you know if some of our leading athletes do decide that it's not the place for them now well they, they're certainly going to miss out because um those that those are the people that uh, inspire the other youngsters in their sport um, and also, of course, you know, they get the name of Guernsey out there as well and um, because they're, they're travelling backwards and forwards to, to compete from Guernsey. Well, you know, in some ways they may well lose a little bit of their identity coming from the island and so therefore Guernsey lives, loses that exposure. But also it, 
it may well mean that we can't attract um, the level of competition into the island. So, you know, in uh, certain sports may find it difficult to uh, put events on because they're not able to compete at that level um, or enough of them at that level to be able to make it worthwhile putting on those events. Is there anything you would like to see done to actually try and remedy this effect? I think, um, I hope anyway, that the Sports Commission already recognise this and um, they're, they're already discussing ways in which that can uh, can be helped and and identify those people that you know may may start to lag behind where they might well have been and see if they are able to to assist them in any way. Yeah, because obviously we've seen a lot of um, funding and grants uh, and, and I suppose work done to yeah to steady the ship in terms of economically and, and, and other areas of the, the community. But yeah, do you think enough has been done sporting wise, or, or more could be done as we come out of this situation to to get people off and on? I think there probably is going to be more that can be done. It, it's uh, it's identifying what needs to be done and how it needs to be done, then what the cost of that is, of course. So, you know, and, and each individual sport probably needs to, to have a look at that. And, um, and they may well need to enlist the, um, the help of the Sports Commission um, because there's a lot of people with the knowledge and experience in there that would be able to help them with that. A lot of the sports haven't been through this before. The individuals that are, are running these sports, the coaches that are coaching it, you know, they, they, they haven't had to go through all of this before. So they, they, everybody needs to pull together and work together to try and find a way of, uh, of remedying and making sure that these elite athletes don't fall any further behind. And obviously we've seen through the pandemic uh, lots of comparisons with Jersey and how the you know, respective governments have, have dealt with various aspects of the situation, rightly or wrongly. Uh, who's got it right? Who's got it wrong? It's been a constant back and forth. But on the sporting front, do you feel like that, that, that Jersey is laying a better foundation for their athletes to sort of spring back? Well, I think the, um, uh, the, the two islands are very different uh, and the approach to... Um, to sport in both eyes been very different for very many years and if, if you I would say it would have been uh, a, a, we would have been a lot worse off if this had been 10 years ago because we were relying on inter-island sport uh, and I don't think inter-island sport is as uh, as important as it was uh, because more sports are looking further afield than looking to Jersey so uh, you know, I, I don't think that um, it, it's as bad now as it would have been 10 years ago. But, uh, yes, yeah, certainly um, Jersey have uh, found a way of um, uh, ensuring that their elite sports people and their elite sports teams um, have been able to get back and competing as soon as they possibly can. How frustrating is it for you as obviously, a, you know, someone who, who's a very proud Guernseyman, a very proud uh, sort of participant and... and um, and now kind of administrator in, in island sport, that to see that the way perhaps sport has been somewhat forgotten in the, in the piece? I think um, the, the, the thing is, what's been going on ha- is massive, you know, for, for um, the whole world, not just for, for our little island. Uh, and, and what we have to also balance is that there's only so many people that can administer uh, what is happening in the island you know there's only so many civil servants there's only so many health professionals um, remember they've all still got to do their day job the jobs that they were doing before so you know it, it is a really difficult situation that that we've all gone through uh, and everybody has suffered in various ways 
um, and, and it's it's easy to say you know maybe we should do more we could do more but how and who's going to do it you know it, it's a it's a really it's a difficult one this could put us back many years do you think I think I think it will inevitably uh, put us all back in 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 lots of areas um, uh, and particular sport will uh, I think it will push us back definitely some very valid points from Mark who generally is a island-wide sports fan follows a lot all the sports and um, he's right I think you know whilst I think Jersey are quite have got a different approach to this COVID business and their sports people are already up and running um, there's top the cricketers have got things to look forward to the rugby players um, as well and football is going full tilt now and they're doing very very well um, our sports scene in terms of the elite side of it is um, diminished slightly and it's it's really hard work um, for our top performers to to compete and particularly at a time it's very it's, it's vital because we are really struggling I think for to find the next generation of um, Guernsey stars if you go back to the start of the 2000s you look at the people list of you know who were taking Guernsey sport forward and setting new heights and aspiring, inspiring youngsters. You have people like Dale Garland, Lee Marion, Tom Druce, Ian Powell, Tom Hollingsworth, Tobin Horton, Chris Simpson, Ali Marion. That's just the main pick of the, the, the real talent which took Guernsey to new heights. And we dominated a few Island games. We've, you know, we've really, really went to a level which we'd never imagined we were but I don't think we're, we're anywhere near that at the moment um, we've got some good young talent around but nowhere near that level we had um, almost you know almost two decades ago and and that's why it's critical that we managed to expose our top sports people to a higher level um, Tony Vance has spoken time and time again about the Guernsey football scene all being very well it's great we've got a good competitive domestic scene but we do need that English league to raise standards because um, you just you know you don't need the same level of fitness and commitment obviously domestically um, and I think that goes across you know in, in all these sports you need that that carrot um, to take you to new heights and certainly the, the you know the really top performance that we need they need something extra to get the best out of them so it is a concern and I hope the commission will do their best to um, alleviate that issue I'm sure they will but watch this space yeah I mean certainly last summer you know you would say overall Guernsey had a, a good pandemic um, you know managed things well and and we're probably certainly on a sporting front would have been the envy of, of everyone in Jersey um, with with you know the things happening with the Isle of Man and and sort of most sports returning to some semblance of on island or, or full semblance of on island normality but yeah certainly at the moment yeah being left uh, left in the in the wake of jersey at the moment as we head out of this situation yeah the big big concern is of course that i don't really think our our authorities the cca will pay too much attention to the the whims and desires and ambitions of individual sports people 
Um, they haven't shown that willingness so far. I mean, we've seen, you know, what's happened at Beausajour. They're, no, they're in no rush to to get out of Beausajour, but yet that continues to harm some of our, you know, indoor sports. Um, I think they they treat the um, island sports people exactly the same way as any other islander um so i don't see there's going to be a massive change so we just hope this, <laughs> this covid business goes away pretty quickly and we can get back to some normality because otherwise it will hurt us and then you'll see it's particularly with the island games coming up to, you know 2023 that's not very far away um we will be weaker for it Right, on a more positive note, something to look forward to this weekend, the Ravenscroft Challenge Trophy. Golf's men's interinsula takes place over in Jersey at the Royal Jersey. Guernsey go to Grooville uh, as holders, uh, but it is notoriously difficult uh, to win away in this competition. I caught up with Guernsey's non-playing captain, Dave Jeffrey, uh, to find out how Guernsey's preparations have been going. Uh, Dave, a, a very different build-up, I'm sure, to this year's interinsula Challenge Trophy. Logistically, one of the more challenging to put together? Absolutely, yeah. No, we've, it's been very difficult, certainly for the last couple of weeks, trying to get COVID tests booked, everyone up there at the right time. Uh, accommodation and flights were luckily booked some months ago. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been difficult, but now we're, we're really sort of looking forward to getting the match started on Saturday. Yeah, how pleased are you just to get this on? Yeah, I mean, the players, I said in the paper, the, the, the players want to get it played. Um, we need this. It's the biggest fixture of the golfing calendar every year. Uh, and we're, we're now looking forward to going over, meeting our old friends from Jersey uh, and hopefully coming back with a trophy. Yeah, and as I say, it's been a very uncertain build-up. Has that made selection more challenging than usual? No, I mean, we, we've had a, a, a full rotor of competitions at both clubs. Uh, so, you know, until there's a decision made to cancel, and I think, you know, I hope the players have been practising as if it was going ahead. Um, and we've had a couple of practice sessions and they all look in, in pretty good form. And you went out with the players on Monday night for a practice round 12 holes. I think you got in um, up at the Royal. How much do you think they're craving this level of competition? Because obviously it is a step above what they've been playing this summer. It is a step above. They're all good players. So that's why we have these practice sessions, send them out against each other. Uh, we've been mixing it up, some four balls, some foursomes, which, you know, both, both disciplines we play in the Entrenchula. Um So, yeah, hopefully the, the practice pays off. And a real mix of ages and experience in there. Two debutants among uh, the 10. Uh, Ollie Chedham, 16, who's uh, yep. had a stellar summer. Arthur Evans, perhaps at the other end of the experience spectrum, he comes in for his debut as well. What can you say about uh, the skills and the temperament that's brought them into contention this year? I mean, I've said before, Arthur was very unlucky to miss out two years ago. Um, he's in there on merit this year, uh, and I'm sure will go very well. Very steady player. You know, Ollie is one we've earmarked for a couple of a couple of years now. It's, it sounds silly to say that he's only 16 now, um, but he's a hell of a player. Um, plus three handicap, uh, and you know, I've got no problems with him being nervous, and I'm sure he'll perform really well this weekend. Uh, how do you assess the, the kind of blend of ingredients you've got there? Have you got what you need to win an interinsula? Yeah, I mean we have to think we do on paper. A couple of couple of the first team players um, aren't available this year. Bobby Ego and Daniel Griggs, um, but we're, we're more than happy with the people that, that have filled those spots. I'm not, not saying they would have got selected anyway. Um, you know, they're certainly in the top few names uh, in Ireland selection in most years. But yes, from what we've had to pick from, it, it's certainly a very good team and we're, and we're happy with it. And it's fair to say it's a lot tougher going away than it is playing at home. I don't think Guernsey have won at Grooville for 41 years. Uh, why is it such a challenge to win in Jersey? I don't know. Uh, I don't know why we struggle around that course. Um, it's not a long course. In many ways, it's similar to, to Langcrest Links. The ball will run and run if you hit the fairways. 
Um, I think with any interinsular, it's going to come down to chipping and putting, who holds those big putts at the, at the crucial moment. And what are you expecting from the hosts themselves? Obviously, you won't have seen uh, a lot of those players over the last couple of years. I mean, due to COVID, we, you know, we, I certainly haven't been over to Jersey for a couple of years. We used to go and play Royal Jersey a couple of times, uh, be it in the Hampshire Sevens tournament or, or club matches. Um, I don't know how the course will be set up. I expect it, they'll try and get the greens firm and fast. That's what they normally are. Um, certainly faster than what our players are used to playing on down at Lancrest. And, and that's where the test lies, I think. And as non-playing captain, you'll obviously be uh, stalking the course throughout the weekend. How much do you sort of plot a route to victory? I mean, when you look at the pairs you've got down, do you earmark matches that you, you hope you'll be winning? I think that's a dangerous game to play, to do that. Obviously, you, you put your pairings together, you pick your order, but you're trying to second guess the opposing captain. And when, when you list players one to five or, or one to 10 in the Sunday singles, you've got no idea how it's, how it's going to come out. So there's a lot of, lot of luck involved. Um, you know, it, we'll really just take our chances, put out the, the team and the order, how best we see it and um, hope it works. And obviously the last two years have probably taught us that you can't really take anything for granted, certainly not you know, this level of event and the, you know, the events that we've enjoyed as of uh, routine um, you know, over the decades. You know, will you say to the players just to sort of go out, enjoy it, make the most yeah. of it and, and sort of savour the moment? Yeah, I think given the last two years we've all had across both islands, it's important to go out there and enjoy it. You know, play your best golf. It's a serious competition. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we'll, we'll all come off the course. We're all having lunch together uh, and I'm sure both sides will enjoy it. Guernsey men's golf, non-playing captain Dave Jeffrey talking to me on Monday. Gareth, how do you assess the chances of the signing team as uh, they head over to Greville? <laughs> I won't talk about history at Greville, Tony, because um, <laughs> they've only ever won once in my lifetime at Greville. So we won't go into that. And that was the year I was born in 1980. Um, but I must admit, um, when I went down on Monday um, when they had their squad session, you sort of look at it, and I, for the first time in sort of my career, certainly as sort of press golf correspondent, I suppose you could say, um, it's the first time we've really been leaving people out of the the ten, and it, it shows the strength and depth we've sort of got. Not not exactly out of nowhere, but certainly with um, a couple of the youngsters coming through, obviously, but also just the the effect it's also had on some of the seniors. I mean. For example, Mick Marley this year, um, he's won two of our domestic majors. Um, it probably helps that his son Lewis is pushing him quite hard now as well. Um, but as Mick sort of keeps reminding me, he's never been a, a lower handicap. So it sort of shows in this squad, we have five plus handicaps. I'm, I can't remember that ever being the case before. And that does not include the two, Daniel Griggs and Bobby Ego, who are unavailable for this match, who would have made seven. That's great going that and sort of three others are scratch handicaps um, and sort of with the players who Dave I'm sure would have been considering this year, I reckon there would have been 18 or 19 genuine contenders for that side. And usually when you're sort of looking at the interinsular side, it's it, without being disrespectful, sometimes it's a case of who's making up the numbers here and there with one or two. Now to have sort of 19 people pushing for that team and plus one or two who might come back depending on who have young families. They haven't played much recently, but they might be coming back in the next couple of years. You never know. It shows really good signs for the Guernsey team. The thought, um, Gareth, struck me about um, how important the Ned Bank team, inter team golf competition has been towards preparation. Uh, the Scratch League, I think, has really uh, improved the... Um, how's the best way to put it? The almost the enthusiasm of, of an island squad. It, I mean, it, it's it's one it's it's evolved over the years that um, golf teams were perhaps just picked on handicap and sort of scratch stroke play um, 
performances throughout the season. Nowadays, the captain will look a lot at what they do match play wise. They obviously these Ireland squad members have a lot of match play to play now with the scratch league. Um, it has really improved competitiveness. It, it's it's got more and more serious. The first year for the first couple of matches, it was it was a, almost seen as a bit of a social night out almost on a Monday night. Now it is properly competitive every time they go out. Um, and certainly I know that Dave looks at combinations from each club in foursomes um, and four balls um, and who's performing well. I mean, this year the entrance level was so on and off that it was a very sort of very short notice team selection meeting. Um, and about an hour before Dave headed into that, he was texting me, asking me for all the Scratch League results because they are very important into who gets in that side. Now, one player we've spoken a bit about this summer, of course, and who's making his debut this weekend is young Ollie Chedham, just 16. I mean, he has had a stellar summer. How much damage do you think he can do this weekend? Does he go in as one of the, one of the, sort of the, the big names, if you like? Um, or is that putting too much pressure on? Um, he certainly goes in as... He's the Emma Raducanu of the no, Guernsey no, no. golf well, team. No, no. If, you want to, if you want to go down that route, he's very much the Leona Maguire of the Solheim Cup team, who the, sort of the rookie of the Solheim Cup team, who won four and a half points out of five last weekend for Europe in their great win. Um, you could almost sort of put Ollie in that sort of position. Um, he didn't. He didn't want to admit it to me when I interviewed him earlier this week, but he was without doubt one of probably the first three names on the team sheet. Um, he's playing now of plus three. It's an incredible achievement for a young guy like him. He's, he's a very modest young lad. Um, as you'll see in the interview that's um, in our paper this week, it, although he is talented, all he does is practice golf, practice and play golf. So it's, it's certainly not come out of the blue. Um, he's been Ireland junior champion three times. He won the Grand Mar men's championship last year. And I remember interviewing him after he'd won that title. And um, his ambition at the time was basically to get in the Ireland side and to get down to scratch. Well, he's absolutely burst through scratch and gone all the way to plus three. Um, he's actually a very good match play player as well. I mean, he, he won every match he played in singles in the scratch league this this season. So uh, do you put a huge amount of expectation on him? No, he's not really bothered by that. He'll just go about his business. Whether he wins or loses, you know he's going to give it his best shot. So um, I, th I think Grooville suits him. It's a, it's a tight course. It's not particularly long. And he, he is just a very, very solid player. He hits the ball straight and he putts well. You don't really need to do much more than that. He just does it exceptionally well. Oh, well we're looking forward to seeing how he goes this weekend. Uh, I'm heading over to Greville to uh, do some filming. So watch out for, for plenty of coverage uh, via our social channels over the course of the weekend. Um, what else can we look out for this weekend? A bit of football? Yeah, there's, a, there's two Premier League games, Tony, and a Jeremy Cup tie. Um, Mission to see if Bells can maintain their solid start to the season and make it three wins out of three. I suspect they probably will. They probably have the edge in Albany Nomads. Um, and, um, yeah, that's probably the best game of the weekend. Although the, the Grand Fort Road derby, Velrec against North, could be intriguing as well. I hope for the new, their new goalkeeper's sake that, that um, Bale can have done some work and they're defending in training this week. Jamie, what are you looking out for this weekend? One competitor I'll be keeping my eyes on this weekend in terms of results is Time 12 specialist Mark Cox. Um, he's trying to qualify for Commonwealth Games. This is kind of his second shot of two at the 
game standard. Um, I'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, he needs to finish in the top 10 of the national 10-mile time trial championships. Um, he is the Guernsey record holder for distance and is obviously in incredible form. Um, he was very unfortunate last time out in the national 25. Basically, he had, he'd got his training just right. He was in impeccable shape and he happened to get held up by carriages in a carriageway. It's a situation he hadn't prepared for, cost him a load of time, and we're, we're really hoping that hasn't cost us place at the Games. Well, yeah, quite. I mean, that's yeah, fairly unfortunate. Um, well, best of luck to Mark this weekend. Excited to see how he goes. Uh, Gareth got the start of the hockey season as well. Yeah, the, uh, there's a double header of the men's Division 1. Um, Indies will start their title defence against Casuals at half three, I think it is, but before that, uh, Yobos play against Colombians in the first game of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. I know um, Casuals and Indies, providing there hasn't been too many changes of personnel, they'll have a couple of um, guys who have been uh, playing for the England Masters um, in recent times. Uh, Andy Worley went away and so did Steve Waldrum as well. So um, they should, they're certainly fit and firing. So Steve Waldrum was also starring for Irregulars in the 80-ball cricket final a couple of weeks ago. So um, uh, it'd be good to be back down at the hockey club and seeing, uh, seeing who's going to be contending for the title again this year. Yeah, do you see it as a uh, sort of similar pattern to last year then? I think Indies will should start as favourites, providing there hasn't been too many um, changes squad-wise. Um, Yobos can certainly pull off um, a, f- a few wins along the way. They, um, they, they improved a heck of a lot when they got their university guys back last year, so it depends on who they got available. Um, and Colombians... They've always got a very strong spine to their side. They can beat anyone on their day. Um, and casuals, they're, they're more the veteran side, but they've got some really good players as well. It's, it's always a highly competitive league. Um, probably go indies at the moment, but um, after about a month of the season, we should have a better picture. Right, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Cheers, Cheers.